And that's what causes GI problems, so a lot of stomach issues that uh, people experience during exercise. That Triathlon Show, episode 41. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and today's episode is a natural progression on the last episode that we had with uh, Jesse Kropelnicki. We will continue to talk about nutrition today, but from a slightly different angle. So my guest today is Ted Munson, who is a performance nutritionist at Science in Sport, which is a leading sports nutrition company from the UK. And what you will learn in this interview is, among other things, whether you should choose an isotonic, hypotonic or hypertonic gel or sport drink for your race and training fuel. What electrolytes and sodium content should you be looking for when you're selecting your gels or sports drinks? And you'll get a sip-by-sip guide to hydration and nutrition in both sprint and iron distance races. Plus, as a little bonus, Ted talks about the immense power of caffeine, which uh, the numbers actually surprised me, but you'll learn more about that in the interview. So, as I said, a slightly different angle compared to the one with Jesse. We have two nutrition episodes in a row, and usually I like to vary the content, but I think that in this case it's important to have these episodes right after each other while the first one is in fresh memory so that you can see the similarities, but also some of the differences, and we talk about those differences with Ted. But uh, the main point of this interview is more about going into into some of the more technical stuff as well for what you should look for in gels and sports drinks and why that matters and not just on a broader macro level what carbs you should get in when and so on. So uh, let's just wrap this intro up and jump right into the interview. All right, so on today's episode of That Triathlon Show, I'm happy to welcome Ted Munson from Science in Sport to the podcast. Welcome, Ted. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So just give us a brief overview of yourself and your role at Science in Sport. So yeah, so my name's Ted Munson. I'm the, uh, I'm the performance nutritionist at Science in Sport. So I am educated to a master's level in sports nutrition and I worked with uh, numerous, numerous athletes, so numerous runners, uh, numerous riders, all the way into kind of team sports and into football players and rugby players as well. So I'd like to think I've got quite a broad overview and triathlon, specific triathlon nutrition has been a, a great interest to me uh, in the research and actually uh, looking to uh, get into it a bit myself as well. Yeah, and I noticed on I was actually stalking you on LinkedIn and saw that you you worked for Hull City for a while there. So for those interested in Premier League, that's uh, that's some a bit of curiosity that, that might or trivia that might be yeah. might be fun for the listeners to hear. So what about science in sport? You're a leading sports nutrition company. Can you give us? Another a little bit of a brief background of the company as well. So yeah, um, Science and Sport we uh, started in 1992, so it's actually quite quite a long time ago. Kind of a southern-based company, and uh, we've also got a factory up north as well. So interestingly, all of the products that we make 
come out of a uh, of Nelson, which is just north of Manchester in the UK. Uh, whether you find them in Australia, US, they all come from the same place. And um, I suppose one of my favourite kind of points about science and sport is is our banned substance testing. So we're quite proud to uh, test every single product in the range, which is one of the reasons why athletes are coming to us to, to support them, really. Mm, okay. And uh, you recently partnered up with the British Triathlon Federation and now support the, the BTF and the national team of, uh, of British triathletes mm. with your products. Is that right? It is, yes. Yeah. So yeah, we've been uh, fueling British Triathlon all the way to 2020 officially. That's including the Brownlee brothers, kind of specifically. We also work with numerous triathletes, um, including... Uh, we actually had Richard Murray come down to the office as well, Thomas Bishop uh, over in the US, Taylor Spivy, and kind of uh, got some new up-and-comers as well uh, that we're working with officially. So Beth Potter, who's recently kind of uh, in the UK, gone from from 10Ks into triathlon, and David Bishop. And so it really is the names are endless, and you know they want to work with us, and we're kind of we're, we want to work with them as well and kind of help them reach their potential. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting, but I can definitely see why now that I've been researching this this episode and and digging a bit deeper into what what are the differentiation points of different nutrition companies, and and that's why you're the first nutrition company that I have on my podcast because it, you seem to be very very much legit, and I have actually used the Go product range, so uh, so the gels and and sports drinks as well myself, but but not, I'm not familiar with your entire range from before, but uh, looking mm. into it, it looked very very good and uh, and all the ethos of of sis with the band substance testing and so on mm. looked very much legit so what i want to do for this episode we have a lot to cover with nutrition and and hydration for both training and racing so but to cover some bases first and and make sure everybody's on the same page what should you look at when you shop for for example energy gels and sports drinks there's a lot of talk about people have heard the terms isotonic and mm. hypertonic products and so on mm. also they know that uh, there are electrolytes and sodium in some products yeah. some may have vitamins even or proteins or bcaas mm. but but can you give us a brief overview of those different terms and and what you should look at in your sports nutrition products yes yeah, it's, it's sports nutrition is a, com- a very confusing world as you probably know and um, there's all sorts of different companies who are suggesting you should take this and even companies that are dishing out claims that say they will improve your performance and, and things like that just kind of makes it a really confusing world. I suppose to kind of a brief start, something that I'm really interested in is actually how how the body is affected by certain nutrition. Um, and I think the number one thing that all triathletes should you know consider is uh, is energy, and it's. It's quite simple, really. So you get um, different digestion levels depending on which product or what you take. And I know you briefly mentioned about you know the differences between isotonic and hypertonic. And there's all sorts of different solutions out there. And uh, each one of those solutions have a certain tonicity. So the concentration of that solution. And each concentration affects the body very differently. So on the bottom of the scale, you get something that's hypotonic, a hypotonic solution. And what that means is is that the concentration of that solution is lower than the concentration as the fluid inside the body. So what that means is that water, for example, you kind of, you take it, it goes kind of straight through you, you don't really get much energy uptake from it. On the opposite end of that scale will be a hypertonic solution. So what that means is that the concentration of that solution is higher than that inside the body. So you'll you'll know probably yourself that a lot of gels out there are quite, they're quite thick, they're quite concentrated 
Um, have you have you had any before that have been yeah, quite yeah, sludgy? Yeah, of course, and and that's that's where it all started, exactly. isn't it? With, with sports drinks and gels, and that's where it started. And you know they can be really tough to, for people to, to digest. And they, they, a lot of these companies will recommend that you take them with two, maybe three hundred mils of water to simply help that digest. And why you know some companies suggest that you take them with water is uh, because they. If you take on a hypertonic gel, for example, it'll go into the stomach. And if you don't wash it down, the body will draw water into the gut to basically turn that solution isotonic. So they want to turn that solution into the same concentration as what it is inside the body. It happens all the time whenever you take it on food. And that's what causes GI problems. So a lot of stomach issues that people experience during exercise when they take on bars or really thick sugar gels so i think it's really important to get into something that's isotonic during exercise so something that is you don't necessarily need to wash down with water makes it a lot easier to carry as well so we uh, we have a gel called the sis go isotonic energy gel which i think you mentioned that you uh you tried before so yeah you know designed to be taken without water makes it so much easier for the running section as well when you might not have access to uh, to water and it's going to help the stomach as well. It's going to help the body digest things faster than you might need. What about the energy uptake rate? Does that differ mm. for isotonic versus hypertonic or hypotonic Not really. gels? Uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, it's, basically, the body can take on around 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. And that's pretty consistent uh, whether you take on a hypertonic solution or an isotonic solution. But... So, well, something to consider is that a hypertonic solution might take longer to digest than an isotonic solution. So, you know, although something might have 30, 40 grams of carbohydrates in it, if it's taking 30, 40 minutes to actually get in into the system, then, you know, sometimes it might actually be pointless having that, that solution. That's why with our gels, we've done some research at Liverpool John Moores University. Um, that just shows that it actually gets working faster, an isotonic solution. And that was done with gels. And it's something we're actually trying to look at in, the, in a range of sports because I think it's very individual. Um, you know, everybody has different uh, gastric emptying rates. But, you know, as a general general consensus, it would be 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. But you've also got to consider the intensity that you're working at as well. So where is your blood while you're exercising? Where is it? It's in, it's in, the, in the peripheral mus- muscles. It's in the muscles. It's not in the stomach. So actually, if you can do your stomach a favor and help it out. And, you know, when you're exercising, you haven't got the blood in the stomach to help things digest. And if you're taking a hypertonic solution, the body's going to draw water in there. It doesn't want to do that. And that's what causes, you know, some people to be sick during exercise, some people to get stomach cramping during exercise. But it's very individual. And I, I know a lot of a lot of athletes that can tolerate hypertonic solutions absolutely fine. Yeah. So what about uh, electrolytes and sodium content in gels and sports drinks? What should people consider in, in terms of that? So first things first, I mean, I get this question all the time and it would be it, someone will come up to me like, oh, I just have water in my sports drink, in my, in my bottle, sorry. And I think, great. But, um, you know, during exercise, you know, we sweat out salt, we sweat out sodium. Everybody's very individual about how much sodium gets sweated out. But for some people, it can be you know, considerably more than others. It has nothing to do with fitness. It's individual makeup. And uh, if you were to just constantly just, just fuel with, with water, rehydrate with water, we can essentially thin out the blood so we can thin out the sodium that's in the bloodstream. And that can, you know, that can lead to hypohydration, um, which is lack of blood salts. And that is that's associated with performance. It's associated with thinking time. 
and you can actually drop performance by by 20%. So I'd always recommend whether you have a carbohydrate electrolyte drink in your in your bottle or just electrolyte always you know consider electrolytes in there and how much electrolytes I think it's very individual. Um one thing I always ask someone is you know when you've been out training or racing um have you ever got salt residue on on your arms or on your face and I think a lot of people have experienced that some people I know haven't if you have experienced that that is an indication that you are a salty sweater and you need to you know consider up in your salt content whether that's in your meals beforehand and in your drink during um but one thing I would recommend is is not fueling with just water so either go for an electrolyte drink or actually a carbohydrate electrolyte drink now the reason for that is is it especially on the bike um if you can actually combine kind of two need states in one so if you can tick energy with the carbohydrate in your drink if you can tick hydration with the the water in there and the electrolytes and you kind of you're hitting two things right there that that are really important i'd never suggest just having water in one and carbohydrate in the other can we combine the two there's also a lot of evidence to suggest that if you combine sodium and carbohydrate together it actually helps increase the uptake it helps it empty the stomach faster which is what we want we don't want to be running with you know 500 mls of of carbohydrate electrolyte drink in our stomach that's uh, that's not ideal okay perfect and finally the third point on this list of contents of uh, of gels and sports drinks mm-hmm. uh, there are a few of them out on the market at least that contain things like vitamins uh, bcaa's and maybe even some other things antioxidants maybe mm-hmm. perhaps uh, yeah. what was your take on those yeah i think i think it's good i think it's i always think we should get the basics right you know we've got to first consider can we do it through food can you train using food if you think that you need extra energy intake during that's when you need to consider gels and and bars and things like that um if that is for you and you need to take on extra energy then right let's look at taking on sports nutrition and then there's a whole host of things you can get all in one like products uh, that contain literally a little bit of everything i know i know some gels that contain carbohydrate electrolytes amino acids caffeine all in one at very small doses you might not need that essentially um firstly you know putting electrolytes into a gel do you need the electrolytes in that gel is the are the conditions right for it is it is it hot are you racing are you doing a half in you know in Spain for example you know that's when you need to consider that now amino acids the fantastic bcaa's are fantastic to have in a gel or a drink um you know they're going to help protect your muscle mass during training which I, i think is great or even during racing um give a lot of the cyclists and runners that we work with you know they do use protein during uh, to actually help kickstart that muscle recovery before they've even finished that, that's really beneficial as well Mm. and uh as we speak Tour de France is ongoing so they run on on uh, SIS products right yeah a lot of them do yeah specifically uh Team Sky which are our official sponsors yeah they're they're exclusive yeah. on us yeah 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 I forgot to mention Team Sky but uh, I was mm. in my head I meant to mention them <laughs> you've probably seen a lot of our gels be used on the TV yeah. by various uh various riders out there yeah Right so uh now with the basics covered let's talk a bit about hydration and nutrition supplements to support racing and let's try to split this up into uh short distance versus long distance first what are the different considerations for those two mm. so if we're thinking 
Are we thinking sprint distance versus Olympic? Yeah, pretty, yeah, the sprint versus full distance Ironman. Okay, okay. Um, well, or yeah. sprint, sprint and Olympic maybe would be the short distance, and, and half distance and full distance would be okay. would be the long long course triathlon. Okay, so I mean, very very different events. Um, certainly, with a sprint, one needs to consider that: do you actually need to take energy during? So, as a as a general rule, what we'd suggest is. If you're, well, even hydration as well, if you're working over 90 minutes, then you should really consider, you know, taking on, you know, extra salts, extra energy, extra water. If you're working under 90 minutes, essentially what you have beforehand is, is going to be more beneficial to you. Um, so the body, you know, can prehydrate naturally. It can store energy naturally. So... But it's so individual. Someone who's doing a sprint in 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 an hour, um, you know, they will be working at a higher intensity as well. But it's very individual. So, uh, was it hydration you wanted me to to concentrate hydration on? Hydration and and nutrition supplements in mm. general. Just general. What, okay. you, what you should take on yeah. to support racing. So we'll start with the sprint. Um, yeah, one thing that I think is really important when it comes to the more high intensity nature of a sprint is the use of caffeine. So. Um, basically what caffeine does is it doesn't give you energy like um, a lot of people think it does it's actually calorie free in, in many occasions caffeine but it makes you feel like you're not working as hard as you actually are it essentially tricks the brain and that caffeine can increase performance by you know 10 to 20 percent and that's endurance specific performance lasts around 90 minutes even up to two hours plus in some individuals so actually having that before a sprint distance triathlon is, is great um, in terms of what it can do for you. How much, you know, again, very individual. I'd never recommend going over 300 milligrams of caffeine in one day. Um, 75 milligrams of caffeine is equivalent to one cup of coffee. So whether that's 75 milligrams or 150 milligrams of caffeine before you actually start the swimming section. Would you have that, have that, have that as a, a tablet or something? A tablet. I mean, it's, it's entirely how you want to do it. I know, I know some people who like to have a cup of coffee beforehand. Um, is, is, one, is one enough? One cup of coffee, 75 milligrams? Yeah, I, I think it could be enough for some people. It depends how tolerant you are. I, I personally, I have two cups of coffee a day, so I'm quite used to 150 milligrams of caffeine a day. Now, 75 milligrams of caffeine won't really do much for me, but for someone who doesn't, who's not used to taking much caffeine, 75 milligrams would be sufficient. For me, I would yeah. have 150 milligrams of caffeine, and I would take that in a, uh, like we, have, we do this uh, SIS, we do the SIS Go Caffeine Shot, which is like a small little liquid um, shot, which I take beforehand, and you know they're great before any kind of like a 5K or a 10K run as well, but certainly they're very specific for sprint distance triathlons taking one of them beforehand definitely and um you know after the swim is usually the, is, is the next opportunity to take on uh, nutrition actually that bike section is is what is the best time to actually take on fluids certainly for a sprint if you could aim to take on 500 mils of fluids usually one full bottle during that 20 kilometer bike ride that's the best time to take on you can carry it well usually the bike is slightly less intensity compared to the run it's easy to take on fluids You've got slightly more blood uh, in the gut to help things digest. So again, it's a great time to take on maybe one gel and your 500 mil of electrolyte or carbohydrate electrolyte drink. And then the final five kilometer run. I think if you've hydrated effectively on the bike and you've taken on, you know, 30, maybe 40 grams of carbohydrates on the bike, then you should be able to see that final five kilometer run out in a sprint distance. So it's relatively quite short for a sprint distance. Um, a caffeine shot beforehand 
one gel, maybe 500 mils of fluid for the bike, and then see it out to the run. That's what I'd recommend for a sprint. Now, a a full distance is um, kind of completely opposite. That is when we really need to consider taking on energy. That is the main priority. So we can take on around, like I said before, 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour. And that's what the body can absorb. But the body will always use more carbohydrates than we can possibly absorb. So you're always going to end up in a deficit. And it's about offsetting that deficit as much as possible. So when it comes to the full, I think beforehand, before the swim, it's really important to take on some carbohydrates. So if you've fueled effectively beforehand, in the days beforehand, you've carbohydrate loaded, you've taken on extra carbs. That kind of 30 minutes before, I would recommend taking on whether that be an energy bar, a energy gel, something that the body is used to. Again, really important, never try anything new on race day. You should have practiced your pre-race meal or routine beforehand, many times beforehand. So, But me, what I'd recommend is something that's really easy to digest, maybe an energy bar, even something with a little bit of caffeine in before the swim. And I don't know if you'd agree with me, um, would you say that the swim is, is usually the harder section for a lot of athletes? In terms, yeah, yeah, it is like not physically necessarily, but but just because um, they might uh, struggle mm. with it mentally. And yeah. but I, I guess the for Ironman swims, the people that that do, do Ironmans, mm. they usually have enough of a background in the sport that that it's not uh, it's not the same barrier mentally as a sprint, mm. a first ever sprint triathlon yeah. might be. So so maybe maybe not so much actually now mm. that I think of it. Mm. I still say that, you know, that is a really good time to take on caffeine before the swim. So usually what we'd recommend is for like a, an Olympic distance, for example, is that you'd use caffeine in the last hour of a race. Um, the reason for that is that caffeine decreases your perception of fatigue. Usually you're more fatigued in the last hour of a race. Now, for something like a full you would kind of dose it depending on the actual course itself. So you would not just save it towards the end, but you'd have it before harder sections. So if you know that the swim is your hardest section, using a caffeine supplement, you know, 15 to 20 minutes before the swim would be ideal. If you know that on the bike ride, 50 kilometers in, you've got a six, 700 meter climb, then you would actually save maybe a caffeine gel to before that climb, because that's when you know fatigue's going to be at its highest. And that is that is what the pros do. That's how the pros use caffeine to benefit their performance. They don't, they don't just leave it till the end. They'll use it kind of during during certain sections of the race. Yeah, uh, I'm going back to the swim for a bit. Uh, you meant the intensity, and and that was what you meant by hard. And and in that case, yes, I would agree that the you're closest to your functional threshold yeah. for the swim definitely compared to the other to the bike and the run. Yeah. So yes, definitely. it makes sense to, to use caffeine before that. Uh, and then essentially after the swim, again, you're not going to be able to really take on nutrition uh, during the swim. I know some that do, they do try. And I've seen, I've seen people, you know, literally sellotape um, gels to their, to their, their suit and things like that, which is fine. Everybody fuels differently, but for many athletes doing a full, they would usually wait till the first bike session would be the next time that they'd be able to take on energy and then take on fluids as well. And with fluids, it is really important that you start, you know, you take on those fluids as soon as you finish the swim um, and start fueling early. People make the mistake of waiting till they're tired before they start fueling and waiting till they're already dehydrated before they start um, taking on fluids. And usually from a fluid point of view, 
if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated to at least 2% of your body mass, which is when performance starts to decrease. When you're hungry, you're already, you know, decreased your carbohydrate stores significantly. And it's about offsetting that deficit as much as possible. So as soon as you hit on the bike, start fueling early, ideally every 20 minutes. So what I recommend is taking on 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrates every 20 minutes throughout the race. And that's during... That would be be like one gel. Yeah, about about one gel every 20 minutes. Depends how you like to do it. If you've got a carbohydrate electrolyte drink in your bottle on the bike, that should contain 30 to 40 grams of carbohydrates. And then maybe one gel, maybe one bar. That As long as we can get between that 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates, um, you've got to think what's in your bottle as well. And like I said before, I'd always recommend having a carbohydrate electrolyte drink in that bottle. Um, yes. Just to kind of tick two boxes there. And it's about keeping it consistent. So having it every 20 minutes throughout, and that's going to keep you going essentially. And the aim is to offset that deficit. We don't want to hit the wall. So the definition of kind of hitting the wall or or bonking on the bike is that, you know, you have used all your carbohydrate stores up and then you're just running off flat or fat as an energy source, which is a slow burner. But um, it is interesting, the whole kind of fat versus carbohydrate debate, because I know some athletes that would say that they are fat adapted and that they're using just fat as an energy source. Um, And, you know, maybe, maybe that is right for those athletes, but... I think carbohydrate is the main fuel source for for high intensity exercise, whether that's you're doing a super sprint or a full, um, that is the dominant energy source that we'll use. And that is the energy source that fuels winning performances, essentially. So yeah, fueling every 20 minutes on the bike when you hit the run, slightly more difficult. I know it's a lot easier to take on fuel on the bike. You've got a little bit more blood in the digestion system to help things go down, help things digest. When you hit the run, you know, for 80, 90% of athletes, it really is kind of using gels, essentially, because they're designed to be easy digestion. That That's the kind of point in gels for a lot of companies, especially with us who do the isotonic gel. They're designed to go down super easy. You don't need water to wash them down. So that's something you've got to really consider during that running section, that you want to be fueling by time, not distance. You don't want to have to have fuel when you hit the food, the feed station and you have to wash it down with water. You want to be going off time. That, that's essential. Yeah. So what about if you're sticking to the full distance here for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Are there some differences between uh, more advanced athletes and very beginner athletes? Let's say we, you have a triathlete that's doing his or her first Ironman and they're going to come in close to the 16-hour cutoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so should they fuel in any way differently? Or can they? If, because you, you know some might have feel that they need to get something more solid in being yeah, out for that long. Definitely. And I fully agree that there is, there is no chance that somebody could do a 16-hour event, 16-hour event and not, not take on solids. And I think the most important thing is, is coming back to training and that is practicing what you're doing in training uh, that's really important that if you want to be you know you essentially got to train the body to digest things during exercise um i remember the first time that i tried a gel during a run it didn't feel great the first time i tried a bar on the bike it felt strange um because the body's used to you know taking on food when you're at rest um so yeah training it during i think yeah I think both whether you are an elite athlete or an amateur athlete, you know, training the body to digest solids is a must, especially if you're looking at doing something of such di- such distance, such as a full try, a full try is it's, it's really important. 
Um, when should you take this very individual? Can we use bars and rice cakes and solid foods on the bike? But when you hit the run, a lot of people will then switch to more fluids, more gels, simply because running is more high intensity. We've got you'll be have more blood circulating the body during the run compared to the bike. That's another way to think about it. Again, very individual. See what works for you. If bars work for you, that's great. Use them. If making your homemade rice cakes work for you, do it. I think it all comes down to numbers and it is about hitting 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Combining fuel sources will definitely be a must to allow us to get to that, you know, digesting 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. So can we take on fruit as a fructose carbohydrate? Can we combine that with glucose that you might find in gels, maltodextrin that you might find in gels. If we can combine those energy sources, we can potentially take on more. And that goes for elite and amateur athletes. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that or emphasized that about having trained that before many, many times before you do it in the race. Definitely. In the previous interview on, on this show, we had Jesse Kropolnicki on, who is an elite level coach and also very, very knowledgeable about nutrition and owns the core diet and is an author of the endurance diet cookbook. Okay. Uh, I think it's called. And so he's very knowledgeable and, and coaches elite level athletes. And he, he is adamant uh, on that you should every single training session, you never fuel with water, you always fuel with sports drink to just practice, practice, practice and, and mm. teaching the body to be able to handle that. If you take on anything, he said that you should take on sports drink. So if you go for maybe a short, no, actually, he said that even if you go for a short ride, that's what he preaches. And then you and then you basically make sure that you, you can manage that in training. Okay, so I I agree. Yeah, I, dis, I kind of disagree with parts of it as well. Now, I abide by this theory, which is called fueling for the work required. Now, it's quite a simple theory, and it's about training smart. So the body, like I said before, the body is, is always using a mixture of fuel sources. So it's using carbohydrate as a fuel source through glycogen, and then it's also using fat as a fuel source. It's always using it at different, different levels. If I also just walk, I might be using more fat as, a, as an energy source compared to carbohydrates. If I was to go during an event, I might be using more carbohydrates than fat as a fuel source. So fueling for the work required, you know, we want to try and get the best of both worlds. If we constantly fuel training, whether that's even those little half an hour spinning sessions in the morning, for example, if we're constantly fueling, then our body will become, you know, very tolerant. It will really need carbohydrates, you know, every single time we get to that full. Now, during a full we're going to really need to be using fat as an energy source. It's very important. You know, essentially we have 90 minutes worth of carbohydrate stores stored in our body. And that's if we have fueled effectively. Now, essentially someone who's got nine, maybe 10% body fat, you potentially have hundreds of hours worth of energy stored in those fat stores. Now, how do we make the most of those fat stores? So what often what athletes will do is that they'll do some, some fasted training now, that fasted training won't be quality training, but it might be, you know, as simple as waking up in the morning and doing a half an hour low intensity run or a spin or even a swim and having your breakfast afterwards. Now, what is that going to do? It's going to train the body to be using to metabolize fat a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying do that all the time. If we constantly do fasted training, then our body won't remember how to use carbohydrate as a fuel source. 
So it's about getting the best of the both worlds. If you're going out on the weekend and you're doing three, four hours of training, that's the time when you want to be practicing your fueling strategy. But if you're just going for a morning swim before work, do we need to fuel it? Can we maybe practice once a week doing that fasted session to maybe get the benefits of it? Yeah. What about the swim is an interesting topic, uh, I think, because the swim is where you most often, if you're training according to an effective training plan, most training plans actually that I believe in have mostly high value quality swims with some sort of intensity mm -hmm. it might not always be super intense but if it's not then it's longer intervals that are fairly intense so mm -hmm. so basically the swim sessions in most triathlon programs are always hard so, so so what's your take on that should you then still go and and do them fasted mm -hmm. or if, if it's a hard one hour swim even if it's just you know a swim and a one hour yeah. one but it all comes down to what the goals of that session are essentially if the intensity is ramped up then of course fuel it before even during maybe after now the whole point in fasted training is to is to increase the way the body uses fat as an energy source and uh, maybe even improve body composition in some athletes who are training towards something that might be three to four months away now if you're after a quality session to maybe really you know gain the qualities of it are you looking to actually get faster For example, that's when you should be fueling it. Now, if the goals are to increase the way you want to use fat as an energy source and not become as carbohydrate dependent, that's when I'd recommend doing a fasted session. I'm not saying doing every fasted, every session fasted. It might just be once a week to help that. Um, but again, very down to the individual and individual genetic makeup at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I'm seeing that we're actually running pretty long already, and I have so much more that I would like to cover, but I think that we'll have to skip some of it. But there's one thing that I wanted to go into, mm -hmm. because you had a great article on your website about protein for triathletes or for endurance athletes. So mm -hmm. just talk a bit about which proteins athletes should use or triathletes should use and when you should use different sorts of proteins. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of different proteins out there. And I think firstly, before we go into the different types, it's, it's why should an endurance athlete take protein? And I think there's a, there is a bit of a misconception out there that protein will, will make you gain weight. And, but that's really not the case um, unless you're actually doing a training program that includes you know, heavy weights and, and things like that. Um, now, I think for a triathlete, the best way to use protein is to actually obviously have it post-session to make sure you kickstart that muscle protein synthesis, which can aid recovery. But it's actually dosing it throughout the day and trying to include protein in every single meal. Ideally, 20 to 25 grams of protein every three to four hours to really keep that muscle protein synthesis ticking. And what, what muscle protein synthesis means is really that muscle rebuild. And that can be, that usually happens overnight, which is why a lot of people might take a milk protein overnight, which slowly releases protein. After a session, you might want to have a fast, a fast release protein, like a whey protein shake or, or something like that, a soy protein shake. But a lot of people can do it through food really easily. And that's just including a lean source of meat, eggs in the morning, a lean piece of meat at lunch and say, and same with, uh, with dinner as well. And People might use protein shakes kind of after a session or actually between kind of that morning and lunch period and the lunch and dinner period just to keep things ticking over and keep that muscle protein synthesis going. Um, but in terms of the types of protein, I'd always say go for a food first approach. 
I think nothing can really beat, you know, a piece of fish, a piece of salmon or something like that, uh, a chicken breast with a meal. But if you find that you need more protein and you're undergoing such a, a strenuous endurance program, then our protein, our protein needs increase. And if we're going to be specific, it's about 1.4 to 1.8 grams of protein per kilo of your body mass per day. Really easy to do the math and ideally want to have that kind of steadily throughout the day. There are more higher quality uh, proteins than others. So a really high quality protein would be whey protein, which is derived from milk. What makes it high quality is that it will be have it'll have low levels of fat, it'll have low levels of carbohydrate, and it will be high in what's known as BCAAs, so branched chain amino acids. And they really do determine the quality of proteins. Yeah, perfect. And uh, what about uh, the uh, vegetarian and ve- vegan population? What, are there any specific considerations for them that you would recommend? Yeah, definitely. Always, it is very tough. Um, so we'll work with um, quite a few vegetarian and vegan athletes, but there are options out there. Um, kind of the use of soy protein, the use of pea protein uh, post-session. But again, it is really trying to trying to hit that 20 to 25 grams every three to four hours. It's really important for those who are looking to, you know, increase their, their lean body composition, um, whether that's the off-season or, or during as well, during the season. Um, but there are numerous sources, making sure that you're utilizing nuts and, and things like that. Fish as well, can we utilize it at certain part, part times of the day? And it's not having it all at once, it's trying to spread it out. Yep. So uh, let's move into some rapid fire questions. Uh, and uh, this will be a di- bit different for you. We talked about this before the show. I'll skip the one on caffeine because I think we covered that we already very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, can you explain uh, creatine in 30 seconds? Should we take it? Why should we take it? What are the supposed benefits? Okay, right. Okay, go. 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 Okay, creatine is, uh, is naturally produced by the liver and the kidneys uh, from amino acids stored in the muscle. Um, so by increase, so increasing muscle creatine content, it's actually shown to increase performance of repeated high-intensity efforts. So it'd be really good for if you're doing super sprints, uh, maybe even a sprint. You can also use it in the off-season if you're looking to build muscle. Um, the mechanism behind it is that... Uh, Supplementing with creatine enhances the capability of the muscle to create ATP, which is like the sort of the energy currency of a cell, um, and that, that allows you to have more energy production, and hence it can actually increase the resistance to fatigue. 20. That was forty-five roundabout. Oh, was it? Pretty good. Oh, pretty right. good. Uh, what about L-glutamine? Okay, this one's going to be faster. Okay, ready? Yeah. Go. Uh, so glutamine is one of the most abundant amino acids found in the muscle. Um, the research has shown that. Glutamine levels are reduced following specifically endurance exercise lasting more than two hours. So really for that Olympic plus, if you've got reduced glutamine levels in the muscle, then you're more likely, possibly more likely to have a reduced immune function, more likely to get upper respiratory tract infections, colds, etc. It's also associated with uh, greater recovery times and it's a great addition in your post-workout shake. That was very close to nailing it on 30 seconds. There Perfect. You go. Finally, what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to nutrition? My favorite resource is the ACSM guidelines, which is the American College of Sport Medicine. So they'll annually bring out kind of guidelines for nutritionists and a range of different aspects of training. Um, 
and then it gives us kind of a balanced arguments based on hydration, energy, and supplement use, um, based on the research that has been done. Um, yeah, I'll always make sure I have that open, uh, ready to look back at. Yeah, thanks. Perfect. And uh, I've covered that in an email on the newsletter before, and I agree it's a very great resource. It is. Finally, if there's something that you want to plug about uh, Science in Support and, uh, and where people can find out more about you and anything that you got going on, then uh, this is your time. Feel free to <laughs> okay. take the mic. Great. So, yeah, if, um, if you go online, scienceinsupport.com, um, you can find a full range of products based on kind of a numerous ranges. So we've got our Go range, which includes energy powders, gels, hydration products, Energy bars have also got our Rego range, which is our Rego Rapid Recovery. It's one of our most famous products, um, which is like an all-round recovery product containing the carbohydrates, proteins, salts. And we've got our protein range. I briefly mentioned it, the whey proteins, the milk proteins, um, protein bars. And we've also just recently brought out our supplement range. So just brought our L-glutamine powders, creatine powders that can be used as well. And kind of more for me is our our athlete advice section, which I think is really good on our site. So myself and, and our other performance nutritionist, Ben Samuels, we will kind of update this as much as possible, um, add as much content on there to try and help beginners all the way up to the advanced uh, out with numerous aspects of training, whether that is you know how protein can help an endurance athlete, even a specific triathlon guide and I suppose one service that we can offer is is really you know get in touch with us if you want to drop us an email at nutrition at scienceandsport.com it's all one word um you know let us know what you're training for and see if we can uh, can help you out with that we offer kind of individualized advice and you know we really want people to get in touch with us so we can provide you with the best advice as possible yeah please do take Ted up on that offer when when somebody tells you their email and contact them and somebody who's an expert in their in their subject then then you should uh you should be jumping on your computer to to write them an email and ask for advice and yes i i will link to all those to many of those resources the triathlon specific nutrition guide especially in the in the show notes for this episode so uh yeah ted thank you again for coming on this has been great one thing that i want to bring up once more is that uh that's uh complete 100% banned substance testing in recent times there has been a lot of age group doping scandals in triathlon so if you are a higher level age group triathlete especially then you are at risk for being tested and you might not have taken anything illegally knowingly but you might have gotten it through through a supplement and that has happened this year on, on at least a couple of occasions a couple so, yeah so do be, do be careful and and uh, maybe consider switching to something that is 100% tested mm-hmm. like SAS. Always look for the informed sport logo or the informed choice logo uh, on the back of um the back of a packet of anything that you're looking at using that will ensure that it's, you know, it's taken the steps to be tested. Yeah, perfect. All right, uh, this has been uh, Ted Munson from Science in Sport. Thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, great, you too. Thank you. Thanks. All right, hope that you enjoyed that interview and found it valuable. I know that a lot of listeners actually are enjoying that triathlon show because I recently found a fantastic service called My Podcast Reviews. So they send me an email every month with all the reviews that I get on iTunes. And I just recently learned about this service. And uh, previously, I've been going into mainly 
the Finnish and the American and the UK iTunes store because you need to go into them separately to see reviews from different countries and I just can't go into every single country to look for reviews but whenever I need some motivation those reviews are really what helps me move forward and produce another episode and get it out on time so that has been helping me but with this new email service that that consolidates them all and and puts them into one single email it makes it so easy for me to to follow up follow that and get that motivation whenever i need just go into my inbox and look at that email so i want to read one of those reviews for you uh, so that you can understand how it helps me motivate and keep doing this podcast so this one is from pda wg1962 from the us and he writes Awesome podcast, five stars. I'm not one to write reviews, but feel strongly about this one. As a mid-pack age grouper, any help is appreciated. Unfortunately, it's difficult to sort out the wheat from the chaff. This is the real deal. So thank you so much for this review. This is really what keeps me going, getting this sort of feedback. I also always appreciate negative feedback or constructive criticism that helps me improve the podcast but uh, this is my goal um, making this that triathlon show uh, the really real deal for all triathletes so something that you can find valuable and any help that you can give me in terms of feedback is always appreciated if you have feedback go and send me an email to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and that's michael with a k and if you really love the podcast like PDA Dub G1962, which is obviously an iTunes username, then you can go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash rate, which will send you to a page where you'll find easy to follow instructions for how to rate and review the podcast in a minute on iTunes. And the show notes for this episode, as always, will be found on thattriathlonshow.com. Go and check them out. I'm pretty pleased with how I've been managing to get them up on time, usually on the same day as the podcast is released recently. Send me an email if you have any questions to the same email I just mentioned. It will also be in the show notes. I really, really look forward to talking to you again on Thursday. Until then, keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.